Good morning. Wow, what an incredible morning we've had already as the children came to lead us. If all you remember today is this, you have worshipped well. Our God saves. Wow. With incredible excitement and passion and enthusiasm. Oh, that we might share that same passion to proclaim the good news that God saves. It is so good to see you here today. It was great to hear the, uh, from Kay and Joe and from Roy Joe the, uh, the reports and the stories from Refurio and how that has been life-changing, not only for, for those who've gone, but for those who've experienced that grace and that gift of life and hope as we've gone to minister there. You know, we have spent this fall talking about what does it mean to love one another. And we've got a few weeks to go before we get into the Advent season. Yes, Christmas is getting close. And so we have this dilemma of what to do with the next three weeks. We've, we've talked about what does it mean to love one another. We're getting ready for the Advent season. And so I've focused and I've, I've been wanting to do this reflection and series on, on Barnabas. And I think that he offers us a great spot here to look for these next three weeks. You see, Barnabas is one who loved and encouraged others well. In fact, in the early church, Barnabas is seen as the exemplar or the embodiment of the early church's spirit of faith, spirit of generosity, and his belief that the kingdom of God had come and had been realized in Jesus Christ. So over these next three weeks, and it fits very well into the season in which we're in as a church, we're going to examine the life of Barnabas, the life of one who came as an encouragement to us and to the early church. Now the three things we're going to look at over these next week, is, as I said, flow very nicely into where we are as a church. Today, in your life groups, we talked about and you had presented to you our ministry plan for 2020. And so we went through that. This is that season where we present our, our ministry plan for the coming year. And then next Sunday, we gather in church conference to share a, a meal and a conference together to approve that ministry plan. So today we focus on the aspect of Barnabas's personality and of his heart that, that serves us for today. And that is his humble generosity, his spirit of giving generously. Next week, we'll focus on Barnabas's missionary spirit. Again, we're reminded of the flags of the nations around us. And that Barnabas is one who, who went off with the Apostle Paul in the, the first recorded missionary journey. So next week, we'll focus on that and, and the challenge and the encouragement of Barnabas for us to also live lives, live life with a missionary spirit. And then lastly, as we prepare for Thanksgiving, I can't help but be reminded that, that so many times when we read of Barnabas in the book of Acts, that Barnabas is reconciling, he's redeeming, he's bringing people together after a, a series of, of challenges or conflicts that they might share. And I know that as the holidays approach, one of the difficult things of the holiday season, especially as we gather with family members, is the reality that we don't get along all the time with our family members. And so Barnabas offers an incredible example for us, an encouragement to us in the area of reconciliation. And so my question for us is, 
Who around your family dinner table or around the Christmas tree, who in your family's been uninvited? Now, they may not have been uninvited by those words, but they know that they're really not welcome around the tree or around the Thanksgiving table any longer. So Barnabas offers us in this season in our church to, to, to address these issues and to be encouraged by one who lived life so well. So let's introduce ourselves to Barnabas. If you would, turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, again, the early church is just beginning. The, the Spirit of God is flowing through the apostles. The power of the resurrection is being preached and proclaimed. People are coming to know Christ in, in an incredible way. And so here is a picture, a, a snapshot of the early church. And we're introduced to Barnabas in this moment. And the congregation, verse 32, of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them. Sometimes we, we get lost in, in the details and the peripheral issues, and what we need to realize is that the power of the gospel is in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the center of this message that we have to share. That is the center of the message of grace and of the power of God to change our lives. Verse 34, For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sale, and they would lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each of us, or to each, as any had need. Now Joseph a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it. And he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now what we would know about Barnabas is that wasn't his name. That was his nickname. That was the name which is translated here as son of encouragement, that is the name by which Barnabas became to be known by because that was the kind of life that Barnabas lived. He was always seen encouraging the church. And I love this beautiful picture here. We are introduced to Barnabas through an incredible act of generosity. In other words, Barnabas is pictured here leading into the Christian story, leading into leadership within the church through an incredible act of generosity. Think about that for a minute. What, what if that was the way we, we lived our lives individually as a church where we, we introduced ourselves, where we entered the scene, if you would, through a gracious, humble, generous act of generosity. And this is how we're introduced to Barnabas. Now, if you like to kind of flow through and, and follow some of the, the relationships and connect the dots through Scripture, Barnabas is one of those that we can do, and, and we'll do just briefly. For what we would need to know is that the Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, and also in Colossians chapter 4, it tells us that Barnabas has a family. He has a family that lives in Jerusalem. In fact, Acts 12, we start with Colossians 4, Paul tells us that Barnabas is John Mark's cousin. Well, that word cousin 
is, is, a, is pretty broad as we would translate it. Probably what it means is that Barnabas was John Mark's uncle because in Acts chapter 12, what we discover is, is that John Mark's mother's name is Mary. So that would make Barnabas and Mary brother and sister. And that Mary's is the house in Acts chapter 12 where the apostles are seen gathering to pray and to worship and to fellowship together as Christians. Now it's interesting that Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts, refers to the upper room in Luke chapter 22, I believe, as that place where Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples before he was arrested and, and betrayed. And then in the, as we begin in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, what we discover is the apostles are waiting in the upper room for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And here, 12 chapters later, we see that the apostles, the early church is gathered in the, it doesn't say upper room this time, but in the house of Mary. So there are those biblical scholars that would indicate, that would suggest that the upper room was Mary's, who was the sister of Barnabas. And can't you just imagine it in your heart, Barnabas was from Cyprus. That maybe on a trip he was a Levite, so that meant he was, a, he was a, a priestly man. He would have known the law very well. And part of the task of those Levites was to, to share amongst the poor and to offer the gifts that the church would bring, that the, the people of God would bring at that time to, to distribute to the poor. And it could it be that, Le, that, uh, that Barnabas came to Jerusalem, as all good Levites would, to celebrate a Passover or maybe to celebrate Pentecost, and there through the connection with his sister, was introduced to Jesus and became a follower of Christ. Barnabas would have been familiar as a Levite with this passage out of Deuteronomy 15, chapter 7, that says it's part of the sabbatic year. It's part of a picture of the fulfillment of what the kingdom of God would look like. And as, as kingdom people, as, as the kingdom had been fulfilled in Christ, therefore this is the way we should live each and every day. Deuteronomy 15, beginning in verse 7, says this, If there is a poor man with you, one should not harden their heart, nor close their hand from their poor brother. But rather, you shall freely open your hand to him, and you shall generously lend him what is sufficient for his lack of need. You see, here we are introduced to Barnabas for the first time, seeing the need of the church around him, of those that are, are suffering in their poverty. And he goes and he sells a piece of that property. He brings all the proceeds, 100%, and he humbly lays it at the feet of of the disciples. Now it indicates that others are doing this, but there's no indication in Scripture that this was a requirement or an expectation for, for those wealthy people in the life of the church. No, what we have here is the picture of a man who had resources, whose heart was compassionate towards those who were in need. And he saw those who were poor around him, and his heart did not harden. His heart softened. He saw the poor around him, and when he sold that land, his hands did not clench the money and the proceeds of that sale, but rather, with open hands, came 
and offered that gift completely and totally to the apostles. You see, Barnabas led with open hands and a humble heart. A beautiful picture. A beautiful picture of the heart and the spirit of Barnabas and of the early church giving and sharing their lives and their resources with open hands in contrast to those that would live life with clenched fists, especially when it comes to their their money and their time and their resources, who when finally prompted or agitated, whatever the word would be, begrudgingly, inconveniently, and reservedly Give a little bit towards the need of the moment. In contrast, Barnabas brings his offering and he lays it freely and totally at the feet of the apostles, indicating his complete surrender to what was their authority and their discretion in meeting the needs of those around them. But then again... What would we expect from a man whose name is encouragement? Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 11. Uh, This is just a a brief snippet. And again, uh, maybe a story we pick up in another week or two. But I think, it again, it reveals the heart and character of Barnabas. And there's, there's something here that I want to show you in just a moment as we read this. So we pick up the story in verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, remember Paul, who was the Hebrew word Saul, uh, had caused the, the uh, was there present, was one of the Pharisees that was responsible for the, the persecution, the death of Stephen because of Paul's actions uh, and, the, and the Pharisees' action at that time. The early church in Jerusalem spread, and here, here we pick up on that. Uh, it, it made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began to speaking uh, to speak to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hand of the Lord was on them, and a large number of the Greeks, the Gentiles, believed and turned to the Lord. And the news about this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. A fascinating story, we may touch on that a little bit longer, but here's what I wanted us to see. When Barnabas arrived and witnessed what God was doing, the grace of God, he rejoiced and he began to encourage them with all resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he, for Barnabas, was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Now, we've got a map here just to give you a, a brief kind of perspective you see down the bottom right on our monitor is where Jerusalem is and that's where the persecution there of the the early church would have begun as Stephen was put to death many of in the early church fled you can see the island of Cyprus there Cyprus is is close enough in proximity that often through the history of of the Jewish people whenever they would come under persecution and they would flee Cyprus was one of those places where where, where Jewish people would flee to. And so we know that there was a strong population of, of Jewish folks there in Cyprus. And then notice also that Antioch, just due north of Jerusalem, is where the scene that we just read about is taking place. 
And so Cyprus is where, um, where Barnabas was from. And obviously, as they would have heard that some men from Cyprus went to Antioch, it seems natural there that, that Barnabas would be the one that would go and, and to, to help resolve and understand what was going on there. But look in verses um, 22 and 23 and 24. There's some language here that I think adds to this story. Barnabas was described as a good man, a man full of the Holy Spirit, and he's described as encouraging the people there in Antioch. Now it's interesting that the word Barnabas in the Greek would be the son of Periclesis. The word encouragement is the word Pericleo, and being full of the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit... His name, one of his names, is the Paraclete. So listen, listen to how you might translate this. The son of Periclesis offered Pericleo, being full of the Paracletos. Okay, are you following me here? So, Barnabas, Joseph, is the son of encouragement, who offers encouragement because he's filled with the encourager. Wow. Isn't that powerful? We also know that this word paraclesis also means, or paracleo, also means comforter. Barnabas, who's the son of comfort, offered comfort because he was filled with the comforter. The word paracleo also can mean advocate. Barnabas was the advocate, the son of, of advocate, who was advocating because he was filled with the advocate. What a powerful and beautiful description and picture of who Barnabas was. And so when, wherever he went, he was always encouraging. He was always comforting. He was always advocating for those who were in need. And now as we finish the, the, the story in, in Acts chapter 11, we look at verse 30. And it's Paul and Barnabas who returned to Jerusalem with an offering that was taken there in Antioch because there was a great famine. Now we saw in Acts chapter 4 how Barnabas had sold his, his land and he brought his offering. And the picture is that he, he laid his offering. He had to have, have gotten down on his knees to have laid his offering at the feet of the apostles as an act of submission to the authority of the apostles and also as an act of total and complete surrender in bringing his gift to them. I, I can't help but believe that as Barnabas brought this gift from Antioch, that again, he walked into the presence of the, the apostles in Jerusalem. There was famine. There was great need going around. And once again, I believe that he brought his offering and he got down on his knees and he offered it in submission, completely and totally and fully to the apostles so that they might use and distribute those gifts to encourage and to comfort and to advocate for those that were in need. Again, Barnabas. We are introduced and we meet Barnabas here through an incredible act of humble generosity, taking what was rightfully his and surrendering that and giving up complete control to the apostles as he gave all from the sale of that land, as he brought all of the offering with open hands, not clenching any of that. So here's what I'd like for us to, to kind of reflect on over these next, next moments. 
What does this mean for us? What is the example that Barnabas means for us individually? Let me challenge each of us to consider ourselves to be sons and to be daughters of encouragement. That we too are called to encourage and to comfort and to advocate for those around us. Why? Because we too, as followers of Christ, are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Comforter. We are filled with the Advocate. We are filled with the Encourager. And therefore our lives, like Barnabas's, should reflect that. We too must learn to be generous and to come alongside of others. That's what the word parakleo means. It means to, to come alongside of someone else in order to help them in order to assist them. So we must learn to be generous as we come alongside of others and be generous with our time, our talents, our resources. Let us lead. Let us lead in relationships with others with humble generosity and with open hands towards others. Some of you may be familiar with Camp Barnabas. It's a camp up in southwest Missouri. It's a camp that is designed for special needs children. But in order for this camp to, to be successful and to, to be able to function, it must enlist volunteers. Volunteers who will come alongside of these special need children's children to encourage them and to help them and to comfort them and to love them for a week. Can you imagine those special needs families and, and the respite and the, the, the renewal and refreshment that that week gives to those individuals and to those families? But church, we also know, and, and those who volunteer also talk about how the life changes, how that camp changes their life as they go to serve and encourage for a week. You see, many of those volunteers are teenagers who come from a life of health, and even from a life of privilege. And they learn over the course of a week how to give and serve humbly with open hands instead of with closed hands. Church, what Barnabas' example means for each of us is that we too are to be sons and daughters of encouragement. But what does it mean for our church? I believe for our church it means that we too must practice humbly bringing ourselves and yes, as Barnabas does here in this example, humbly bringing our tithes and our offerings and with open hands, laying them at the feet of the apostles. But hear me, I'm not talking about the apostles as in ministers or even the deacons. What I'm talking about is bringing your gifts humbly and laying them before the feet of the body of Christ, the church. First, let me commend those who faithfully give of themselves regularly to teach and to serve and to lead at First Baptist. The testimonies from, from the, the Harvey trip today continue to encourage and inspire us. But they are just a microcosm of the many Barnabases who serve with open hands at First Baptist. And also, this is an opportunity to say thank you to each of you that bring your tithes and your offerings regularly to First Baptist. Your gifts make it possible for us to do all that we do and beyond and more. But second, there's also the group that I want to encourage today because you are struggling. You are learning. You are growing and maturing in how to give of yourself and how to give of your tithes and your offerings 
But let me encourage you to begin and to continue on in this incredible journey. Our goal as a church, I love what our, our stewardship committee said this year, is they want 100%, their, their goal is 100% of member participation in serving, in worship, in discipleship, and yes, in giving. Giving your tithes and offerings to the church is a step of humble obedience, discipleship, and worship. And I have come to discover that it's one of the most meaningful and rewarding acts of faith that you will ever practice. My desire is that each of us would work this out in our lives as we practice faithful financial stewardship. Over these last couple of months and weeks, our ministers, budget administration stewardship team have been working to develop our 2020 ministry plan We used to call it a budget, but it's better said our ministry plan for the coming year. Their recommendation was shared during morning life groups. If if you weren't able to be in one of those, then certainly there's there's copies, there's information you can achieve or receive through the office. Next Sunday, we'll vote on that plan at our church conference. As a member of this church, every member has the opportunity to be a part of that development of our ministry plan. You have the the opportunity to participate not only in its development, but also in its approval. So plan on coming next Sunday. Then as we approve our ministry plan, we commit ourselves to giving our tithes and our offerings to accomplish it. Like Barnabas, we too can humbly lay our feet, excuse our tithes and our offerings at the feet of the body of Christ with open hands. In this act, we recognize the authority of the church in our lives. And the teachings of scriptures which admonish and teach us to bring our tithes to the storehouse and to present our gifts cheerfully and not under compulsion. In bringing our tithes and offerings, we must fight to not do so with clenched fists, but rather with open hands. And for this reason, I believe the tithe particularly and specifically is to be brought to the feet to the local church and placed at the feet of the church with open hands for her use in ministry, symbolizing that everything that we have is the Lord's and not ours. And whenever we talk about tithing and and offering, some argue, well, the tithe is Old Testament, but we're New Testament. Well, of course you're correct, but we must remember that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. So to give nothing to the storehouse or or less than 10% doesn't seem to fulfill the law. Rather, I believe the tithe is the fundamental giving principle that leads us into the realm of gracious generosity. As we give liberally to the church, the scriptures tell us that God will multiply our seed for sowing and increase our harvest so that we can continue to offer open-handed giving. Our offerings come above the tithe And they're also needed for the church to minister. In fact, the church flourishes when giving flourishes. Some of you will be led to lay these offerings, these additional offerings at the feet of the church, the ministry plan. But others would say, God has has really put a passion in me, has has stirred me to, to share these gifts with the church in a specific way. And we always love to hear what God is doing in your life. The recommendation for this year's ministry plan is just under $2 million, is is $100,000 less than last year's ministry plan. 
It's a ministry plan that certainly supports our, our, our ministry and support staffs, but it also supports and provides for our facilities, our administrative costs. It makes available dollars for our ministries, for our programs, for, for trips like uh, the, the Hands for Harvey trips. In addition, 11.5%, or about 230000 is what's been budgeted for next year, is budgeted for our missions, our mission partners, and our missions giving through our denominations. So please make plans to attend the fellowship and lunch next week as we vote and as we also check up on our progress for our 2019 ministry plan. Barnabas offers us a life of encouragement through humble generosity who sold a piece of land and with open hands brought the proceeds and laid them at the feet of the apostles. As such, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, is known even today, and his story continues to encourage the church. His act was an act of encouragement. It was an act of comfort. It was an act of advocacy. It was an act that reflected the attitude of his heart and of a life committed to following Christ. May the Spirit of God likewise inspire and encourage us to follow this example as each of us follow Christ. For we too are sons and daughters of the encourager. Let's pray. God, you are a good God. You are an encouraging God, a comforting God, a God that brings salvation to our lives. And may we remember that today, that our God saves and that you walk with us and you comfort us. And as your spirit indwells us, we then are called to comfort, to encourage others. Lord, what a powerful picture of, of seeing Barnabas introduced to us with open hands and giving his gift to the church. Father, may we follow this example as we look at our own time, as we look at our own talents, our own resources, our own finances. May we humbly come and lay our gifts before your church to use in ministry as you call us to. Father, may we be the sons and daughters of encouragement as well. This morning as we sing and reflect, I, I pray that this truth would stir in your hearts. If maybe for the first time you are, are meeting or have met the encourager, Jesus Christ, then let's celebrate that come and we can visit and talk about what does it mean to invite the Spirit of God to live within you, to forgive and to cleanse you, to encourage and comfort you in all things. Come and let's have that conversation, begin that today. Maybe God's stirring that this is the church that God's called you to be a part of. You come and, and we'll rejoice as you come to be a part of the body of Christ here at First Baptist. Or maybe the Lord has just stirred in your heart today that you are called to be a better encourager, a better comforter, a better advocate for those around you. Let us be faithful as we stand and sing. Amen.